on this week's episode, what are our favorite movies overall? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back for another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. Truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We truly appreciate it. Plus, also as well, if you can like, support, share, or do anything you can to go ahead and help us out of the Pop Culture Cosmos, throw us those Facebook gaming stars. That would be awesome. If you check out the Lakers Fast Break, we have, I think, close to 25, 27 episodes that I did in the month of July, all covering the NBA bubble. Great time, indeed, talking to all those different guests out there. Check out the stuff we're doing at the Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, and also the shows for my co-host here. That would be greatly appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's our own top 100-ish movie star. Or Pop Culture Cosmos. You gotta check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Also, his great shows, Topicocalypse and the Super BS Gamescast. Or get his book today, Congratulations, You Suck, available on barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, The Nook, and The Kindle. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Long time no see. Yeah, what's up? What's up? Just uh, part of this podcasting marathon, you know? Absolutely. When I told you I had to do back to back and I couldn't be able to go ahead and record when we could record it, so we're going to have to do back to back, you're like, oh my gosh. At least something to that effect. Yeah, I, I, I groaned. It's just maybe, maybe a little bit longer than that, though. It's like, uh, have you ever seen uh, Bob's Burgers? Like Tina. Uh... <laughs> well, we are going to have a great show today because we are going to go ahead and count down the final list. I know we kind of put it off a little bit, but that was for a special reason because we wanted to compact it into one episode. It's the top 20, even though we gave you number 20 already. Top 20 in our top 100-ish movie countdown. Josh and I are going to go into detail on a lot of these movies and have a great conversation in doing so and have a fun time. Hopefully you'll be able to go ahead and enjoy it. These are movies, once again, that you guys and gals out there, the followers and listeners and viewers of the Pop Culture Cosmos, you got a chance to go ahead and vote upon over a period of time. You gave us your top 10 lists. And we gave each a point value, like your number one was 10 points all the way down to number 10, which is one point. So we tallied all of those movies up. Not everything made the list. We had 104 that actually made the list because there were four tied at 100. So we're going to go ahead and break it down as far as the movies that are covering the final top 20 in our list of the top 100-ish movie countdown. Are you excited, my friend? I mean, it's been a long time. did a lot of hard work. We still are updating it on the popculturecosmos.com in a written form. I'm trying to catch up to that, but it was a long process for us, my friend. But finally, we're here today in an audio form. Yes, we've made it. Cue the, uh, the award show music. Da, 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 da. Yes. We should Excitement. be in Texas. Woo! 
we need uh, we need to borrow some sports crowd music from EA just to get this get, get it officially going. You know, get that just above it. <laughs> yes. Gosh, how mean you are! How mean you are! But I will tell you what, my friend, I'm excited for it because it's finally here. The day that we're going to go ahead and break down everything for you on the top 100-ish movie countdown. So have you got your list, my friend? Got the list I sent you? Got the I have the list. Okay. I have the list. I want to make sure because, you know, this is a list that I think a lot of people with these movies kind of will at least some point in time. There's going to be a movie that's like, yeah, that's one of my favorites. I like that one. Or, yeah, I don't know what they were thinking. Somebody must have been on just some type of drugs, man. When they picked this might be the right time to tell everyone that every movie on this list is actually the rise of Skywalker. So, (laughs) I mean, yeah, I don't know if you want to tune out now, but yeah, we're just, this is just going to be an hour long conversation about the rise of Skywalker. No, it isn't. Stop, please. (laughs) Don't turn off people. Don't turn off people. But I want to go ahead and give a big shout out to everyone out there that, the time to create a top 10 to go ahead and send it in to us truly appreciate it also want to give a big shout out to bill thank you again for the nice email that you sent i got it and i'll tell you what i just truly appreciate your thoughts and support on our previous shows as well i want to give you a big heads up again everybody else out there if you want to go ahead and send comments to us please you can go ahead and do so today popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well popculturecosmos on twitter facebook instagram Humanica Media, Game Source, same thing. And then, of course, now Pop Culture Cosmos on TikTok. Share your thoughts with us on your favorite movies. We'd love to hear from you and be able to go ahead and interact with you right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So I think I've delayed a little bit long enough, right? Delay long enough or whatnot. So we need suspenseful music. Is yeah, that yeah. will that help? Okay. An Inception, Ready Inception soundtrack. Um, what's next? Uh, Dunkirk. Okay, we're good. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and start off on the list with number twenty again. I know we said it on a previous show, but this was probably the most oddball for me movie that's there. It's a nineteen fifties movie. It's The Good Humor Man, and I think for me the most identifiable aspects. I did see a couple of scenes from it to check it out was the original Superman, George Reeves, the one from the TV show, way back when, when it was black and white. So this was a movie that kind of just stood out as far as people voting on it. And The Good Humor Man is at number 20. I know you couldn't say much on it then. I know, Josh, you're not going to be able to say much about it now, but it's funny how that movie just, just, of all the movies on the list of the top 100, that stuck out the most for me. Do you think that his the good humor man's uh, before he tells a joke he stops and he looks both ways just to just like see who's around him, or is his superpower the you know, the just knowing that there's nobody around him? <laughs> I, I don't okay. know if I, I don't know if I should agree or disagree with that statement. Haven't seen the haven't seen the movie. No. Uh, if it's if it's really like in the top twenty though, maybe it's worth me checking out. So maybe it's uh, worth I'll, me I'll, checking I'll, out too. Throw it on the list here. Throw it on the list. That list is getting pretty long, my friend. That's the Good Humor Man at number 20. 19 is a movie I believe you have probably seen because we have talked about it before on the show. 
another one of those tearjerker movies from Pixar. It's the movie Up. So before I go ahead and end, tell you my thoughts on it, I want to hear your thoughts on the movie Up. It made me cry. I know grown men don't do that, but uh... I do at Pixar <laughs> movies. <laughs> it was sad. It, it was. It was sad. It was one of those things, like, I'm surprised at how sad it was for a kid's movie. Honestly, like, there is something in there for everybody. Like, anyone who has ever lost a grandparent or watched, like, a grandparent, like, live alone, like, that really hits home for you and for me. And, you know, what made it even worse, not worse, but, like, what really, like, pound gave you the emotional punch in the face was the fact that there were dogs in this movie. And, you know, that's almost cheating in its own right. But, oh, my gosh, it's such a great film. Very sad. But it is a really, really great film. That's up at number 19. Number 18, my friend, is one that you're familiar with as I am. I think it was a really good movie. It was one of Tom Hanks's better performances, but not his best. But I think he did such a great job with it. It brought so many different things like. I love Robert Zemeckis whole cinematography of the film especially the running scenes it's Forrest Gump and especially the scenes where he goes ahead and runs across America I just love those scenes but of course just the history that the time frame how it evolves as far as and brings in on these montages things from all over that happened and how Forrest Gump was supposedly a part of it so I want to hear your thoughts on Forrest Gump so this was one I didn't watch till later on in life. My dad's a huge fan of this movie. He always likes to go to Bubba Gump's, the the shrimp place, and like yes. they always do the you know Universal sign Studios. If you need, yeah, if you need a refill, you flip the sign and it says uh, "Run Forest Run" or whatever it is. But my dad's a huge fan of this movie. I, I think it really captured a moment in time. You know, it, it it's definitely. I don't think it's a film you could get away with making today, but it I can see why it's such a classic film you know and it's it's a to me it's like it's something that i would have trouble watching again but like it is there's so many things about this movie that are incredibly well done and like i can see why it's taught it's so widely applauded even today that's number 18 that's forrest gump number 17 is a film i know you like we talked about it on the pcc multiverse a little bit and it's something that is part of the backbone of universal studios that is number 17, Jurassic Park. So I want to hear your thoughts because you have some, so much more kind words. You and Rob McCallum, our good friend from Rob McCallum Films. You guys both have such kind words about Jurassic Park. So I'm not exactly the best person to talk about it. I think you are a much better person to talk about it with number 17, Jurassic Park. It is an absolutely magical film. I mean, who does not remember? I, I so I remember this. The first time I saw this movie, I was, I was a kid. Oh, the John White just still gives me chills this very day. But I remember being, I was a kid and I had, I was, I think I was like six or seven, and uh, this movie came out. I was on vacation and me and my dad went to go watch this movie in the theaters and like he knew that I love dinosaurs and like he just took a risk on the PG-13 rating for me but it, it was the first time that I had experienced the true magic of of movies even as an adult I still feel that today like you know I've been going back to Jurassic Park recently and like that scene where they're driving 
on the hilltop and they stop the cars and they get out and they see the the brontosauruses and that the john williams score plays i believe that just... was filmed at Kulo ranch i was there uh, last year i got a great shirt from it but yeah it's it, I, I was there in the area in hawaii where they filmed up those those scenes for it and you get that vibe you definitely get that vibe yeah well you just you feel the magic and uh it it I don't know. It's the first time, you know, like I said, it's the first time in my life that I had ever experienced movies as an experience and not just something to kill time. And that's what I really appreciate about it. Again, for me, I haven't been able to connect with it as much as other people, but still, I appreciate it for what it is and what it's done for the industry. And that's, again, number 17, Jurassic Park. Number 16, one of the best Westerns I've ever seen. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. It is truly one of the best spaghetti westerns of all time. I know uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, a lot of people really think that one's good. That one's a really excellent film as well. It's full of dollars. But for me, the good, the bad, and the ugly was truly a, a classic watch. Uh, like I said, one of the, the best, if not the best spaghetti Western that I have seen. Eli Wallach's performance was tremendous. So I want to hear your thoughts on the good, bad, and the ugly, because that music, you know it when you hear it. And even though you may not have seen the film, it's really something that people can connect with because it has that vibe of this is the mysterious dark good guy. This is the mysterious dark bad guy. And this is the guy here in the middle that's trying to play off both sides and you don't know which side he eventually leans on. But yeah, it is the, I guess you can say, the quintessential Western flick, as, as it does, they would say. It, it kind of defines heaven, hell, and purgatory in the middle, when you really look at it. Right, yeah, like it, it has, it. it is, you know, what people refer to, it, it it is what people reference when they talk about Westerns, right? You have your few great Westerns. You have the good, the bad, and the ugly, the outlaw Josie Wales. You have Tombstone, and I would even go as far to say Unforgiven could be one of those films. It has all the elements of what made the Western genre so great. Absolutely. And that's number 16, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Once again, we truly appreciate everybody watching and listening right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos we're counting down our final set of films in the top 100-ish movie countdown as voted upon by our followers, listeners, viewers of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Number 15. Number 15 is a controversial film for different reasons. And that is Star Wars The Force Awakens. 
it's kicked off this new wave of Star Wars films, which some were glad to see, some were not so glad to see. Obviously, a lot of people were going to give it a try at first because it garnered just over $2 billion at the box office. Critically, it was okay. Uh, for me, it was okay. It let off a series of okay films in the Star Wars universe, ultimately culminating in the not-so-great Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. I want to say it is the most enjoyable of the Star Wars films that I have seen of this new batch 2015 on. Rogue One may be the best of them, but all of them have their major flaws. So I want to hear your thoughts on Star Wars The Force Awakens. Like I said, probably the easiest watch of all these newer Star Wars films that you could say that have been around since 2015 and beyond. So Star Wars The Force Awakens was the first movie in a, in a long time I was truly excited to watch. You know, I thought that it was a pretty top-tier Star Wars film. And, you know, I, I don't like what happened afterwards, but, you know, this was like, I got the same vibe watching this as I watched got with new hope, like what is going to happen next? And it was so cool to revisit this thing, go back to this world. It was shocking when Han Solo died. Like it had all the things that a good star Wars movie should have. And then the stuff happened afterwards. And they honestly should have just let JJ Abrams have the entire trilogy because I think we would have gotten something a whole lot different from what we've received, but I think that Star Wars The Force Awakens is a, is a pretty good Star Wars movie. After Star Wars The Force Awakens, it kind of went on a small step-by-step -step ladder leading to the final disappointment that is Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. And again, I agree with you 100%. Had J.J. Abrams been given the chance to go ahead and direct all three, I think the Rise of Skywalker, and the middle version, whatever it would have been called, whether it's The Last Jedi or something else, would have been far entirely different as the trilogy is concerned. Because he wouldn't have had to spend the whole time retconning the, what would happen in the previous film. Yeah, I, I, I think that having Rian Johnson, like it got a lot of people talking about Star Wars, but I don't think that it was great publicity. You know, I, it... Look at how much people are, even the actors are just so beaten down on Star Wars. The fans are so beaten down on Star Wars. Like it. John Boyega it has, doesn't want anything to do with the Star Wars universe. He doesn't again. want anything to do with it. Yeah. And like it, you, you talk to anyone, they're like, oh, I don't want any more Star Wars, which is funny because we hadn't had Star Wars for like years, you know? And now like you have this beautiful opportunity and it was just absolutely wasted. And they, they took a property that people, loved and respected and, and even worshipped in its own right and they just they dragged it through the mud because they were trying to be meta is the word like like out there like it's not what you expect it to be it's out there like that's what they're trying to do with it and it, it that ended up biting them in the butt so like had jj abrams done the the middle film i think that we'd be seeing like a trilogy that's a lot different from what we're seeing right what what currently exists and we'll have to wait and see what the long lingering effects of this, because you and I have talked about that as well on the shows, is what are the long lasting effects of the disappointments of the succeeding films in three, four years, because it's been delayed a year for the next Star Wars. What are we going to get? What are the residuals? What are the expectations? They can't be what they were before because you have what happened with 
Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, and you have the disappointments from there. So generations now, the younger audience, it's like my kids, you know, kids that are around with you right now, what are their thoughts are going to be on Star Wars going forward? Will they have that same kind of love? I mean, those questions are now up for debate, and it all emanated and started with, you could say, Star Wars Force Awakens and when, and how it went as a series all downhill from there. What are your thoughts out there on what we're talking about so far on the list? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Coming up next, my friend, at number 14 on the top 100-ish movie countdown. You can't handle the truth, my friend, because a few good men is number 14 on our list. So I want to hear your thoughts on another Jack Nicholson performance playing Jack Nicholson. I'm going to have to hand the stage to you because I've never seen this movie before. I've heard it quoted, you know, much like we talked about earlier, but I have never seen it. Again, if you've seen one Jack Nicholson performance, it's truly great. But it is another one of the many Jack Nicholson performances that he plays Jack Nicholson. So if if you really are into what Jack Nicholson does as as the general who just constantly defies inquiries from Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, and, and the characters there in the middle of the courtroom and all that, because it led to a soldier's death in the very beginning. To me, it's, a, it's still a good film. Kind of still holds up today. I know it was filmed so many years ago, but it, it still has a, its endearing value. Obviously, it's very well thought of because it's at number 14 on our list. But with Jack Nicholson, I mean, he just commands the screen each and every time. Even when you have top flight AAA actors and actresses like Demi Moore, Tom Cruise, and the like, still, Jack Nicholson is going to take the this, this scene and steal the scene each and every time out because he does such a great job of playing himself and bringing himself into the character each and every time out. So that's number 14, It's a Few Good Men, and it is, it's still, even today, it's a, it's a pretty good watch. But yeah, it is Jack Nicholson right there, just boom, right at you. Number 13 is one of the, the films that are out there from two guys that just introduced a series upcoming to Amazon that I think they're ghost hunters and whatnot. It is Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And this is, I guess, I don't know. I thought Shaun of the Dead was the most beloved, but I guess this is because Hot Fuzz is at number 13. I've seen it. I thought it was funny. I didn't think it was the greatest thing in the world, but I thought it was kind of cool. So I want to hear your thoughts on Hot Fuzz, which I guess has left a big enough impression with our fans and followers that it's number 13 on our list. So this is, of, of with my friends, like Hot Fuzz is the most quoted Simon Pegg, Nick Frost film. You know, to me, it was the only one that I fell asleep watching. So it, it's, they, they, everyone else clearly has different opinions than I do of it, but it is, you know, they, they kind of make fun of things in each one. You know, they had in the first one where Shaun of the Dead, they made fun of horror movies. Hot Fuzz, they made fun of action movies. At World's End, they made fun of your, like, hangover-type films, the drinking movies. So Hot Fuzz is kind of, to me, it, it's, it is funny, but it's not my favorite. But it does have a lot of, like, it hits home, you know, with a lot of the quotes like, hey, you've never seen Point Blank or you've never like 
took your gun and fired it up in the air and screamed, ah, you know, like in every action movie in the 90s, somebody did something like that. So it does have a special place for me, but uh, it was not my favorite of the trilogy. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite either. I really like Shaun of the Dead of the three, but they're all funny movies. Uh, they're all good movies. The World's End maybe is probably the number three of the three, but Hot Fuzz is pretty good. I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was worth. And that's Hot Fuzz at number 13. Number 12. This was something that's high up on my list and a lot of other people's. And it is the best Star Trek movie, maybe? It's in a close running with Star Trek 2009 reboot. Both of them are excellent films. Excellent, excellent films and I highly recommend it. But Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Ricardo Montalban at his finest playing one of the greatest movie villains ever. So cheesy, quoting Shakespeare, quoting literary greats at, at Moby Dick and the whole nine yards at the whole entire time. Truly was over the top. William Shatner's best performance on film ever. And that's number 12, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And the heartbreaking, heartbreaking, and I'm going to spoil it now for everybody, heartbreaking, quote-unquote, death of Spock, which was truly a shock for people at that time. Yeah, I've heard people talk about this, never seen it, but, um, you know, it, it is some. yeah, right. It is something like, there was a point in time where, like, you could go to Walmart and you could find these DVDs, you know, for, for about five bucks a piece. And, like, there was, I did... And I, even like working at Best Buy, I remember stocking box sets, but I did want to go back and watch these. But then like having to go back through and watch all the series and just to get my continuity down, like I just it sounded exhausting. So I didn't do it. But, you know, I know that these movies mean quite a bit to you. Your passion for Star Trek makes me feel like maybe one day I might go actually find the time to go back and watch Star Trek. Just don't watch the previous movie because that's a snooze fest and that'll take you out of the series. I'll tell you right now, Star Trek two, I think maybe for me, it's probably even more redeeming because of the fact that the original Star Trek movie, Star Trek, the original motion picture was such a slog as so slow and not that greatly received, even though it did a decent bit of money at the time, but it was just not very well received. And again, it led to other Star Wars movies that were also not well received because when this came out, The Wrath of Khan, and was so well received, so well loved, and is basically better than virtually anything made by Star Trek in a movie sense before the year 2000. And it's just such an incredible movie because it does play off of those themes. And the fact that it ties into the original series itself, because the characters, not not just the, the folks on the Enterprise, but Ricardo Montalban's character, and the, the story itself, and what he phrases, and what he references from, if you didn't watch the series, it's still okay, because you're still able to get it, but it ties it so much even, you know, it, it does so even more for those fans, because it, it ties into an episode from the actual series that Ricardo Montalban was on, in the original 1960 series, so... It is a great watch. I truly enjoyed it. It is campy. It is over the top now. It it is aged a little bit, but it is still one of the biggest over the top villainous movies of all time. It's something that if you can watch it on cable or whatnot, it's truly truly a fun watch. It is number twelve and is Star Trek Two, 
the wrath of Khan. Khan! Khan! Bill Shatner going ahead and yelling that out. Number 11 is a movie that really defined the 90s when it came to special effects, cutting-edge special effects, and that was T2. But beyond the cutting-edge special effects was a great story there within, and just a you know just a truly truly cool film to watch and you didn't know who's going to be left alive or who is going to die by the end of the film but it was sure a fun thrill ride and i think one of james cameron's most underrated films t2 at number 11 i actually really enjoyed t2 and of all the terminator films like that's the one that i could go back and watch you know just as like a, a leisure film yeah I, so this was a movie i i remember i watched it when i was a kid i saw it uh i want to say i was like seven years old i watched with my dad and it was a good flick and i remember i got a psp and uh you know i was i was traveling up to um bass lake up by yosemite and i was like they have terminator 2 on psp movies i need it and so i went out and bought it and i remember sitting there watching on the way up and then Wah, 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 forgot to charge the PSP, so I couldn't watch it. But yeah, it, it is a movie. It is something that I. it is worth watching over and over again. It just really sucks that they followed such a great movie up with Terminator 3. Yeah, and the Terminator movies following that. So Terminator movie series, Terminator IP has fallen on hard times since T2. Do you see ever a reboot coming that can really get into when it comes to Terminator. I think they need to give it a rest, but I think it's something that will be brought back at some point. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures, most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures, all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash, the charity benefits in the end. What will he get, how will he get it, and how well will he do? Find out November 1st, 2020. I would hope so. I, I really liked the one with Christian Bale. I thought that that was kind of Salvation. a good di- Yeah, I thought that that was kind of a good direction for the film to go. Like it reached the point where they needed to stop traveling back in time and needed to address the war that was currently happening. And uh, I think because they got so obsessed with the time travel aspect of, of the whole thing, it, it kind of ruined it. You know, like they didn't, the series didn't evolve. They tried to cling so tightly to what made it a cult classic in the first place. And I think that that much like um, the alien franchise is what kind of did them in, in the end of it. And it's a movie that a lot of people voted on as one of their top films. And it reached a high mark in our top 100 ish movie countdown. And that's number 11 Terminator two. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here with Josh Peterson. They were now into the top 10, my friend, the top 10 in our top 100-ish movie countdown. Thank goodness, because I don't know how much more I can say top 100-ish. Such a high pitch, right? Number 10, a really, really good superhero flick that really goes off the beaten path, so to speak. The middle film in the Jonathan Nolan Batman series and possibly one of the best turns ever for the Joker. It's the late Heath Ledger. That is the Dark Knight. 
I want to hear your thoughts on our number 10 flick, The Dark Knight. Classic, love it, most grounded like superhero film I think that I have ever seen. It is a great follow-up to Batman Begins. Honestly, like it feels like a movie that could take place in the real world, yet Batman is a superhero. You know, it, it was so well written. It had so many elements to it, like the elements of a heist film, elements of a superhero film. And it asked a lot of really, really deep questions, you know, a lot of philosophical questions, you know, and that it led to that whole thing about who is the villain, right? Batman is, is trying to control chaos but the joker is on the side of the natural order so who is really the bad guy there there's just so much to take away from that film and there's still things that i am discovering today i love this film absolutely love it well, i'll tell you what my friend uh, it's just something that i think a lot of people need to go ahead and check out because if they haven't it is truly one of the defining best superhero films and that is the dark knight at number 10 Number nine, my friend, number nine is also another great film. In fact, that's all we're going to hit right now. It's just nothing but great films back to back to back to back. Just truly just one hit after another. And that is the best movie, in my opinion, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. A movie that is part superhero movie, part spy movie, part really, really, really good movie. And a movie that I think that has I, I, I just say that right now that it's going to be a movie that I think is going to last as uh, for a while as the one of the most revered in the Marvel Cinematic Universe history and that is Captain America the Winter Soldier so I want to hear your thoughts on Captain America the Winter Soldier I know we've said it ad nauseum before but to those just joining us and hearing why it's number nine on our list I just want to hear your thoughts on Captain America Soldier well, this was the point where the Marvel Cinematic Universe took a really drastic turn. Like this was this was the the place where it all happened. The place where superhero movies stopped, the Marvel movies stopped being campy and became realistic. You know, you know I'm just like gonna it, say the argument that Martin Scorsese has about the, these roller coaster rides and the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe films not being real films. It ends. It ends with it this ends film. right there. Yeah. Like it, they, yeah, it like breaks into like spycraft, you know, like it, it feels, I can see why after seeing this, you know, the success of this movie that the Russos would be put in charge of such a big, you know, big undertakings over at Marvel. And yeah, like this was the defining Marvel film for me, you know, it's too bad. Like it kind of went a little more into the campy side before it reached Endgame and then came back down. But uh, yeah, it was a really, really great film. I, I cannot say enough great things about it because it it develops more not only a well-rounded Chris Evans' character as Captain America, it gave you more insight into him as a human being and uh, him as a superhero in the film, but also as well helped even get you more insight into Black Widow, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character, uh, and the fact that Robert Redford had one of the best villainous turns in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for Robert Redford in his 70s. Still playing that level of character truly was something that people need to check out. And if you have already, you know 
not just how good Captain America the Winter Soldier is. It's usually now these days from what I hear a lot of people, they're number one or their number two choice or whatnot. It's very high up. Very rarely do I hear it below the, their top five. So Captain America the Winter Soldier with a lot of people, in fact, a lot of critics out there, they consider it the best. I know with us, I'm going to say right now, again, and I think I've said this before on air, that it's my number one choice all time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of people who I know don't like superhero films really enjoyed that movie. So, I mean, if that doesn't speak leagues about what kind of film it is, then I don't know what would. That's, again, number nine, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. My friend, we continue on with our list. It's just a truly outstanding list now. We're really getting to some well-known movies and some movies that uh, you know people all over can appreciate. But I'll tell you what, it's just been so great to talk to you about these movies in our top 100-ish movie countdown. Slice them and dice them, my friend, because number eight is The Bride a.k.a. Uma Thurman, in Kill Bill Volume 1. And this was a bloody movie. Full of action. Quentin Tarantino really just amping up the, the blood and the gore, but still combining a revenge story that people can get into. So I want to hear your thoughts. It is disturbed at times. It is well-written at times. And it does have that motivation to continue. So I want to hear your thoughts on Kill Bill Volume 1. I am a fan of Kill Bill. I honestly, I've, I like the second one more than the first one just because it was such a, you know, I was, I was just getting into films around the time that this movie came out and like enjoying them as like pieces of art. But like this was kind of too far beyond even my ability to appreciate when it first came out. So I actually had to watch the movie a couple times before I was like, oh, okay, I can get behind that they take a lot of elements from a lot of different like genres, mostly like Kung Fu and like the noir films. And there's even like, I would say there's a bit of Western to it, but I, I think it was a really well done film and I wouldn't mind going back and watching them or even watching like a volume three. I know that's been talked about for a while, but Just what, are what your I was going to touch upon. Just was I going to touch upon. In fact, Vivek A. Fox, who spoilers was one of the casualties in Kill Bill. She recently said a great idea because her daughter was at the very end of her scene where she perished. Having a real-life actress, obviously one of the biggest actresses right now in the movies, Zendaya, play that young lady in the first film, the daughter of Vivica A. Fox, having Zendaya go on the revenge tour after The Bride. I think that would make a great Kill Bill Volume 3. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, she's got the star power to do it, so I mean that would be really cool. But then would it would it defeat the the whole purpose of where the movie wound up? You know, is a is a tale of revenge, Uma Thurman's tale of revenge. But I mean, they would have to make because you liked Uma Thurman in that series, so you'd have to do something to villainize her to really like get behind that, or else it would just kind of seem you know tragic and unnecessary. Well, it is a, a great movie, a lot of fun. I do think you need to see both Kill Bill Volume 1 and Kill Bill Volume 2, but it is something that a lot of people should go and see if you can handle the violence because there's you know, it's, it's Quentin Tarantino, and this is one of Quentin Tarantino's, even for him, one of his more violent films. And that is Kill Bill Volume 1. 
And that is number eight on our list of the top 100-ish movie countdown. Number seven, foreign film, A Meal. Something that actually appeared quite a few times on our list uh, as far as the top 10 lists are concerned. So I have seen it in the past. Uh, I thought it was very good, funny, had, had a nice flair to it. I don't know if you've checked out this, this movie, Emil, but it is something that if you're really into foreign films, Josh, I think it's uh, well worth your time. I have not. This is one that people have always tried to convince me to watch, and I just, I never, never did. You know, I would be interested in watching it. I just, like, it, I'd have to have the time to sit down and do it. And there you go. That's number seven. It is Emil. It is a, a French film that a lot of people will have to get into, I think, if you can handle subtitles in your films. I know some people just get turned off at the prospect of watching a film with subtitles. It is well worth your time. It is a meal. It is a really good film. I really enjoyed it. And it is something that it does have that international flair. And I, I cannot say enough good things about a meal at number seven on our list of the top 100-ish movie countdown. All right, my friend, this is a movie that you and I have both talked about a lot on this show. And we understand that it did not make it. It was a disappointment. It was a disappointment at the box office. It has garnered a new life on home video to the point that is earned since it came out on home video. It's just behind the Marvel movies and the Star Wars movies as far as really making a lot of money because of the fact it was so well done as far as from a cinematic standpoint, people have got to have it. Cinephiles all over the place rave about it. The colors, the story, the interest on it. People thought at the time, oh, it's running a little bit too long or is this and sad, that, that, but not. It ended up being one of the, again, best-selling movies on home video since it's released. And that is Blade Runner 2049, a movie which you and I, at the year it came out, which I think it was 2017, was our number one film. So I want to hear your thoughts on Blade Runner 2049 one more time because we will continue, I think as far as the longevity of the show, from time to time, throw out how much you truly enjoyed this film, a film that was a successor to another truly great film that was made 30 years prior but still was able to do a great job of connecting the dots and not only a great performance by Ryan Gosling, but Harrison Ford in one of his best turns of the modern era ever. The emotion that he displayed, he has not displayed in almost any other film in the modern era. So I want to hear your thoughts on Blade Runner 2049, a masterpiece by Denis Villeneuve. And I think just a truly warranted sequel of Ridley Scott's genius film. Well, let's uh, let's talk about this. Huh? We we are both avid fans of Blade Runner, so this was one of my all time favorite films. And like, I am probably one of the few that wanted a longer cut. You know, I guess when the movie was originally cut, it was like four hours, something around that. I would have loved to be able to watch something like that. It asks a lot of like it's it's very philosophical, even like theological in itself, right? Like the whole, is it right for us to create life and then limit what that life can do? I think that's what turned a lot of people off about it was the fact that like 
I don't know if people have the ability to to really think about that kind of stuff while watching a movie anymore. You know, you go back to the 90s, there's a lot of films like that. Jurassic Park would be one of them. Well, people will run off by the, the running time, which is kind of funny because we've seen films like, for instance, Avengers Endgame yeah. have a long running time. So mm-hmm. people will run run off by that. And even though it, it came out to glowing reviews yeah, and, and everybody was just seemingly that, was, that watched it, just truly loved it people weren't going to the theaters to go ahead and watch it which is truly disappointing because they couldn't connect to the original film because the original Mm -hmm. film was a cult hit in its own but it only left a certain segment of the audience watching you know that that had actually recognized it for what it was but yeah it's just something that i'm hoping that there's a trilogy to this and an ending of it after denis villeneuve gets done with dune that he'll once again or ridley scott in his 80s now will still be able to go ahead and finish off this trilogy because i think it truly deserves it yeah it does i mean i think denny villeneuve would be perfect to to carry it on i know i mean i'm i'm curious i know he had expressed interest in creating another blade runner film I, i'm curious with once dune is finished will they give him that opportunity will dune be successful enough to allow him you know it's the same thing like vin diesel makes deals with universal right I will do this next uh, Fast and the Furious movie, but you have to do another Riddick movie for me. And so I wonder if they could, if there could possibly be a scenario where that would happen, because I really love it. Because at this point, you know, Deckard can be a side character. We've seen, and and that's kind of what happened in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, right, with um, Ryan Gosling's character. But yeah, we can kind of this. This is a good. It would a third film would be a good opportunity to kind of relate the story that has already happened while at the same time carrying on what people love so much about those films and you know if you're a fan of altered carbon i would definitely recommend you go out and watch blade runner 2049 well both of them blade runner 2049 one of the most visually stunning films i have ever seen i saw it on imax and it was one of the greatest performances as far as from a filmmaking standpoint I've seen visually. It's truly awesome. That is our number six movie on our top 100 list. I mean, again, it's not just us that think so highly of it. A lot of other people did too that saw the film, truly were taken aback by it, enjoyed it. And again, it's one of the, the better selling films on home video since it's released on home video. And it's done remarkably well there. Will it be enough to garner another sequel to make it a Blade Runner 3 to end this trilogy? Because the, there's some events in there in Blade Runner 2049 which kind of would hopefully be necessitating a third film in the, in the trilogy. We'll have to wait and see, but it is Blade Runner 2049, one of the most visually stunning films of all time. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Number five, my friend. If you ever want to make a sequel, this is how you get it done. Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. It's just rumors right now, but I heard Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's uncle? 
No, no. Let me give you a hand and uh, tell you that. Did you get what I said? Did you get the joke there? Did you get Okay. Yeah, All right. Cool. Yes, yes. No. Um, yeah. Great film. Oddly enough, that was the first Star Wars movie that I saw, which is weird because nobody told me that there was a movie before that. So I felt dumb having not seen it. But uh, yeah, great film. Empire Strikes Back is probably like the most spoiled movie ever made. And it, it still is, you know, like for, for a little kid growing up, you know, going out to the playground. Oh, and uh, there's this part where Darth Vader goes, Luke, I am your father. And then you're like, oh, you son of a B word. I still haven't seen the movie. You know, like it, it still is widely spoiled today. And let me ask you this, though. What about this movie makes it such a loved film compared to the others? Well, I've told you my stories and you can just go back on our on our previous episodes. and You hear my conversations, why it's meant so much to me, because. I got taken out of my bed by my sister's ex-husband. We went there at 3 o'clock in the morning, saw the first showing on the first day. I had never seen a, a film of this magnitude in a theater before, and then the line was going at least you know a couple miles long, literally. Yeah, this film was so good because it not does only a great job of telling its own narrative, but it helps build the world and universe of Star Wars and also ties in so well the events from the original Star Wars, but also, at the same time, sets up so much more in the Star Wars universe and also Return of the Jedi. It does all these different things, and that's why it's still, even today, so revered, so loved, and considered by the vast majority of Star Wars fans as the best of all the Star Wars movies, because it does such a great job of doing everything right and checking off all the boxes and it's considered by many the best sequel of all time and i can't say i disagree with it yeah it i mean it it really defines what the star wars universe is you know what takes place the whole bounty hunters and space battles and lightsaber fights and yoda like the old star wars movie all of it can be summarized in the empire strikes back and i think that is what makes it such a great film, so iconic, you know, and why people love it so much is that like, hey, you don't have time for the buildup, you don't have time for the conclusion. This movie will summarize Star Wars. But then again, you can't just watch Empire Strikes Back because Star Wars is a very continuity-heavy franchise. And that is number five, Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back, truly one of the greatest films out there, especially when it concerns the sci-fi genre. And if you haven't seen it, you're living under rock but you know hey star wars is not for everybody but if it is you know about the empire strikes back number four because we're now in the top five my friend of the top 100 ish movie countdown that is the sound of music the hills are alive with the sound of music my kids my wife they still watch it to this very day and it's a classic and it endures even today I've seen it. It's cool, I guess. You know, it's not something I go out of my way to watch, but I know a lot of people do like it. The people do sing it. Uh, yeah, it's a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a movie. There you go. That should be on the back of the box right there, the quotation. Yeah, it's a movie. <laughs> and that's The Sound of Music at number four. Number three is a much-beloved film. I like it. 
I'm not going to say, yeah, it's just a film, but I do realize and understand where it's placed in movie history. It is one of the most beloved films of all time. It's considered one of the best films of all time. That and The Godfather Part Two. It is The Godfather. I want to hear your thoughts on The Godfather. This was a one I had to watch for my film class. It's good. It's long. It's not something that like your average film goer today would be willing to sit through. But if you're a real like fan of film as an art, then yes, this is definitely a very well done movie. And that's number three. That's The Godfather. Truly uh, one of the outstanding works of cinema that's out there. I think it's okay, you think, but again, like Josh, I think it's a little long, but that's just me. You know, obviously the, the performances in there speak for themselves, and it's just such a high-profile cast. You know, you got to say that everybody was working at their top capacity on that one, including Marlon Brando himself, the late Marlon Brando. That's number three, The Godfather. Number two, all right, that's the one where you and I were going to be really enjoying on this one. Number two, which I was hoping was number one, but unfortunately it's not number one, but it's number two, it's Blade Runner. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. We talked about Blade Runner 2049 and it being a worthy sequel to this awesome, awesome movie that helped redefine the sci-fi genre. I don't know. I'd say, like, in my opinion, it kind of defined what sci-fi should be. You know, it's it's not it's not Star Trek by any means, but I mean, as far as, like, what a, a great sci-fi movie should incorporate it i think it is the quintessential movie for me i had never seen a movie like this you know and i know there's so many different cuts of it but like i had never in my life seen anything that like the colors are so vivid the story is so deep and intelligent like i i you have to watch this this is a movie you have to watch four or five times before you like really start peeling back some of the layers that this movie has to offer you know it, it has some typical 90 tropes in it you know, it's as, 80s 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 yeah as far as like how the acting looks but i mean this film was so far ahead of its time you know had it been made today like it, i think it would be this generation's star wars you know like it just it has so many things to it and like i had never if you look at what was going on at the screen and like the year like you would have never guessed that some of this stuff would be possible in that time Oh my gosh, I I truly, truly love this movie. It's an absolute masterpiece. It's just a shame that not more that it, it not as not that many people have seen it that are growing up today. Couldn't agree with you more, my friend. Uh, it is, I think, my favorite film on my top twenty-five list, which you can check out on popculturecosmos.com. It's Blade Runner. It's truly an inspirational film to me. I've seen it a countless number of times. I think I'm going into the twenties. So I'm just telling you right now, it's a great film, outstanding, visionary film from that time that still holds up well today. And if you haven't seen it, you need to go out of your way and see it. And then after that, check out Blade Runner 2049. And again, appreciate everything that there is with Blade Runner because Blade Runner at number two, I think it's low. I think it's too low. I think it should be our number one film. But it's not the way the vote worked out, but... It's number two. It's Blade Runner. Well, all right, my friend. We're here. Our list is now done in the top 100-ish movie countdown. So before we get to number one, and I tell everybody out there, number one, 
want to go ahead and thank again everybody for taking the time, all of our listeners, followers, and people who go ahead and check out us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Everything that we do, really appreciate it. And who took the time out to make their top 10 lists, this is it, the number one film. And the number one film of our top 100-ish movie countdown is, drumroll please, Pulp Fiction, a movie that just catapulted into life as far as exploded at that point in time. I remember watching in theaters. It was uh, amazing for what it was. It just, Quentin Tarantino exploded as a director after that because of just how different this movie was at that point in time. Nobody had seen anything like it. The imagery, the, the where the story went, the storylines, the acting, it just did a lot of things that no other movie at that point in time had done. I want to hear your thoughts about our number one movie, my friend, Pulp Fiction. So this might make me sound unpopular, but I I think the movie's great, but I don't think it's top tier. You know, I think it, it did a lot. Ooh, I know, I know, we just lost like twelve listeners, but I I think it's it's well done. It's written really well. It's got a lot of really great scenes, a lot of great acting, a lot of great like what in the world moments but i just it's not something that like i look back i'm like yeah i'm gonna watch that movie again yeah i'm gonna watch that movie again you know it's just it's not that for me and like i'm glad that it is for other people but it's just it never has really attached itself to me like it has to other people i see why they like it but it's just you know it's one of those movies where it's so shocking some of the parts in it that i just don't need to watch it again the imagery of that film, even with the dialogue that Royale with Cheese, with, with John Travolta, Samuel L. Jackson, a lot of the Path of the Righteous Man, that was put into The Witcher Soldier. People get to go ahead and see that Easter egg in there. Samuel L. Jackson's performance, uh, you know, everybody in there involved, Bruce Willis was just so, so outstanding. Harvey Keitel had a turn, Uma Thurman was great in it, so uh, just an all-star cast doing a great job. Such an iconic film. Uh, the movie that now has, at that point in time, cemented Quentin Tarantino as a as a director that people wanted to work for and one that people wanted to go ahead and follow, and that is Pulp Fiction, our number one film in our top 100-ish movie countdown. All right, my friend. Ah. <sighs> We're done. We're we done. We made it. We counted them all. We did count them down all the way down to, to from 104, or it was actually tied at 100, the four that were tied at 100, all the way down to number one. If you have any questions for us on our top 100-ish movie countdown, you can always go ahead and send us an email, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, or check us out on our social media, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Comedia, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also Punk Culture Cosmos on TikTok as well. All right, Josh, it's been a great episode. We got to count down our final 20 in our top 100-ish movie countdown. Any last thoughts on the way out? Yeah, we got to figure out another top 100 thing to do after this. Exactly, but let's give it a break for a little while and talk about all the things that are going on in pop culture because I'm really kind of tired saying top 100-ish so many times exactly exactly 
So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great